We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finished 13 and 3, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. And so have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man go dominate. Boys, Offense, defense, special team. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. It's our weekend, well, Monday edition of the show. I'm here with Michael Stewart, the head coach of the Bakersfield Drillers. Drillers. I just got, I mean, I can't even say it right, man. What's wrong with me? Yeah, What's wrong with me? Get you out here to California, D. We got to get you I out know. here. I know. Yeah, I need a vacation. Yeah. I need a vacation. 
Don't yeah. right, right of the Bakersfield Drillers, also former Los Angeles Rams defensive back. I have to. If I mess up, I just have to go ahead and roll with it. You know, you have to. I got to roll with it. Got to laugh at yourself a little bit. Adversity in the face. Smack it around. Smack it around. The, the Rock used to say, "Layeth the smacketh down." That's right. <laughs> Back in the day. All right, folks. All the joking aside, we do have a great show planned for you. We're going to focus on the mock draft. We also have with us later on Taylor Colsty, the author of "Breaking Down the 2018 Los Angeles Rams Offense." That one's going to be interesting. He went through play by play. He's basically a guy who wants to be a coach one day, and because he's so motivated, he's going in there and breaking down film piece by piece just to talk about how an offense runs, and that's what he did. It's a pretty solid book, and unbelievably, there's not enough word out there about it, so we'll help get some word out on that. And also, a couple of small things that came out this week. We know now that Lestine's going to draft someone in defensive line at some point in the draft. We're going to ask where, and also just news on Todd Gurley. Just a little bit of news, a tiny bit leaking out. We'll talk about that as well. All right, so before we get underway, we do want to remind you that we are available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spreaker, SoundCloud, of course, iTunes. That's where most of our listeners come from. And, I mean, well, we're everywhere. Anyways, don't forget other shows on the network, Rams Uncensored, Butting Heads, and, of course, Norm Hightower's new show, which will come just whenever he gets a chance. He's still getting his move worked out. Also... We have a contest underway. We need your feedback, folks, on, on our podcast, on all podcasts. We're looking to once we get 200 five-star reviews, one lucky winner will get a $75 gift certificate to nflshop.com. This is how it works. You head over to iTunes. We have a five-star review. Send us an email at ramstop1945 with a copy of your entry so we know who to reward. We also will read your feedback on the show. And we do have some to read this week. We got a couple in. We're going to wait till we get a couple more, and we'll read them all on this week's midweek show. Okay. And one more thing, we just want to kind of announce it. We're, we're putting it out there. Mike doesn't even know. I'm serious. Haven't had a chance to catch up with Mike here in the last couple of days. Hey, Mike, you didn't know this, right? I didn't know. You're in the blind. You are in the blind. Here I we am go. In the blind so far. Our staff has been talking here at Rams Talk. We have a parent company that is. Gridiron Media, and we have decided to start two new podcasts, one covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, for all you crazy Dodger fans out there, and one covering my team, the Los Angeles Angels. So that's coming real soon. Basically, we just need something to keep us busy over the summer, because otherwise we'll just be bored with ourselves, and you know we'll get fat and lazy. I, you shocked, Mike? <laughs> I am not shocked. You are the man. Not shocked. This is dramatic pause that comes in there. All right. Okay. So with all the just logistics out of the way, it's time to get back into our mock draft tonight. We are at picks 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. We get underway with the Miami Dolphins. I have to be honest, and Mike can, Mike can vouch for this. Up until a minute ago, I had no idea who I was going to draft tonight for the Dolphins. I've had a couple of days to figure it out. And to me, the Dolphins are such a mess that I don't even know where to start, really. I don't know where to go. They need a quarterback. They're not going to get one, at least not one where they are right now that's worth the pick. So here we go. My pick with the 13th overall, basically because I couldn't find a quarterback. Miami Dolphins take Christian Wilkins, defensive lineman from Clemson. They need defensive tackle help, defensive line help, defensive all kinds of help. They've let people go. 
it's time to get some help on that line for them and hopefully at least stop the run this year. I'm going with Christian Wilkins, defensive line, Clemson. Mike, what do you make of the pick? I think it's a great pick. I would have gone with big Mr. Christian Wilson myself. A guy can get after it, and you always need some D-line pressure on the defensive side, and I think they'll figure it out. You know, you got Brian Flores down there coming from the Belichick tree. He should know a little bit about the defense, so I'm, I'm with you on that. I can't believe it. This is the third straight opening pick to the mock draft during our series that somebody's actually agreed with me. I, I'm getting a little bit of confidence here. I'm serious. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. And then I'll mess it up next time. No, that's a good pick. All right. Well, yeah, he, that's the guy. Man, if the Rams could get him, I would just flip my lid and joy. But he won't make it that far. He won't even make the 20. So it is what it is. Ready for the Falcons? We're ready. All right. Well, the Falcons are 14. Go. Well, uh, Falcons, obviously, they're looking at uh, some D-line help as well. And since uh, we have a good friend of mine who's still on the board, I think I am going to switch my – you know what? I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to go with uh, DN outside slash outside linebacker out of Clemson, Mr. Clinton Farrell. Clinton Farrell. Ooh, he's going earlier than some people thought. Cleveland Farrell. All right, tell us why. Well, he has that hybrid sense. He can put his hand in the dirt or he can play from the up position. So with the, you know, the DC there, Big Dan Quinn, I think he'll be able to develop a lot of different packages where he's got his hand down or his hand up. So I think the versatility and being able to play, you know, last year on a, a great defensive front is somewhat built in in him to get after that uh, quarterback. So I'm going with Mr. Clinton Farrell for sure. That's that. You know what? Then they went defensive tackle last year too, didn't they? I believe so. I believe so. I think they did <clears throat> when Don Terry yeah. Poe left. So you're getting young defenders in the inside of the, of the interior of the Falcons defense. If these guys pan out, that's some good stuff. Absolutely. Right there. I mean, you just need that some- that that pressure. And you know they play in the dome, so you know they should be able to play a little bit faster, at least at home. And so that should be advantage, Dan Quinn, in the defense. Well, now it's my turn. And here we go. With number 15, the pick. And then we're going to go through the first 15 here in a second. Number 15, the Washington Redskins take wide receiver from Ole Miss, DK Metcalf. That's my guy. That's the guy for them. Okay. And I take him for two reasons here. A, they need a receiver. They need somebody to play Mick. And quite frankly, I don't think they're really going for it this year anyway. So this is the guy's going to be on the bench this year, developing, easing into the pro system, and over time developing. I just said developing twice. But you guys get my drift. Working on his game, becoming a route runner, taking all those tools that came from what we saw in the combine, where just his freak athleticism, his freak measurables in becoming an actual real receiver. If he goes to a team that will throw him in right away and just expect him to go. He's going to be a bust. But put him somewhere where not a whole lot's expected anyways and see what happens in terms of development. I think that's a great situation for him. And I think that situation's in Washington. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're they're looking at getting some, some pressure in there. And so absolutely a great pick. 
you know, turn just being able to be a guy who will develop hopefully into your deep threat, your number one receiver down the line. It's been a long time since the Redskins have had a legit number one receiver. Deshaun Jackson was your speedster, your vertical threat. It's been a long time since they've had that dominant guy to who could control games on as receiver. And uh, I like the pick a lot. Hey, how about number 16, the Carolina Panthers? Where are you going with that? 16, Carolina Panthers. I am going to go with another edge guy. Ooh. And I am going to go with the great Ed Oliver. Hey, Mike. Yes. Ed Oliver was already taken. Ed Oliver's taken? Yes, sir. Where was he taken? Uh, he's taken. Yes, he was taken. By yes, the Bills. he was. Yes, he was. He was taken by the Bills. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that being the case, I'm going to go with my man out of uh, K-State, Dalton Reisner. Wow. That's a heck of a pick. Why? You like that, huh? I do. I think it's a little early, so I'm wondering why. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Well, you figure he played uh, up there in, in, in some weather. I, I need a, a, a guy who's been in some not-so-great weather all their time, so I think that weather plays an advantage for him. But because he's you know on a lot of different uh, – Draft scenarios, he's right behind, you know, Jonah Williams, you know, for interior. So I'm going to go with Dalton right here. All right. Well, I I probably would have gone tackle. There's several available there. Or on the edge with Rashawn Gary. But I think nothing can go wrong on Dalton Risner, really. I mean, it's, it's probably a little early overall compared to what we're seeing in mock drafts. But teams don't draft for what, what other people think they're going to draft. They draft for what they need. And if Dalton Rizzo's that guy, you go get him. So he'll he'll be a fit there. He'll be a fit there for sure. For me, at New York Jets number 17, Nikhil Harry, wide receiver, Arizona State. The Giants have some problems after losing Odell Beckham. They need some receiving help. They need someone to help out whoever's going to be the quarterback there. And if you go off and you can get Dwayne Haskins with your number six pick, at number 17, you get him a weapon. I think it's what you have to do, especially if, like, you just took Dalton Risner off the board. They need offensive line help as it is, and we're seeing offensive line guys going fast now. So if there's not a right guy for them, go get them a weapon, and hopefully can, they can find some quality developmental offensive line guys later on in the draft. Thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts are, you know, I'm, I, I would have went with uh, yep. Jonah Williams. Yeah. He was already taken. But that would have been a guy had he slid down – uh, would have been a great pick, but uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I would have I would have gone O line. Uh, I, I know they need some receiver help, but you also need somebody up there protecting. But it'll be interesting because there's been a lot of rumor mill going around with uh, maybe Russell Wilson ending up in New York. We should talk about that here in a little bit. But what do you think about that? I want to go there so bad. Okay. Let's finish finish the mock draft. Right. You're up with the Minnesota Vikings. Who are you taking? The Vikings, I'm going to go with uh, Oki O-Tackle out of the Oki State of Oklahoma. And let's go with Mr. Cody Ford. Ooh, that's a good one. They need some offensive linemen. 
Tell us about him. What do you like about him? Well, just because he's he's been solid. He's played in an up up tempo style offense uh, last couple years, and that should translate well to what they're trying to do a little bit in the NFL. Even though their quarterback now is not so much going to be running the, the Kyler Murray style Kyler Murray style offenses, but you got a guy who's got good size, good feet. Been a multiple-year starter, uh, played solid through and through. So that's going to be my guy, Cody Ford. All right, so folks, here we go. Let's go through the entire mock draft after 18 picks. We'll have six more this week for the midweek, and then we'll have the final eight next weekend for us to uh, top it off and be done with our first-round mock draft. Here we go. Again, number one, Arizona Cardinals take Kyler Murray. Number two, San Francisco 49ers take Nick Bosa. Number three, the New York Jets take Josh Allen. Number four, the Oakland Raiders take defensive lineman Quinn Williams. Number five, Tampa Bay Buccaneers take linebacker Devin White. Number six, the New York Giants take Dwayne Haskins, quarterback. Number seven, Jacksonville Jaguars take Noah Fant, tight end. Number eight, Detroit Lions take Montez Sweat, edge. Number nine, Buffalo Bills take defensive tackle Ed Oliver. Number 10, Denver Broncos take Drew Locke, quarterback. Number 11, Cincinnati Bengals take Jonah Williams. Number 12, Green Bay Packers take tackle Jawan Taylor. Number 13, Miami Dolphins take defensive lineman Christian Wilkins. Number 14, Atlanta Falcons take defensive lineman Cleveland Farrell. Number 15, Washington Redskins take wide receiver DK Metcalf. Number 16, Carolina Panthers take tackle Dalton Risner, number 16, number 17, sorry. New York Giants take Nikhil Henry, wide receiver, Arizona State, and number 18, offensive tackle from Oklahoma, Cody Ford. There we go. Interesting mock draft, to say the least. We're seeing teams take them. Obviously, that was our point. Take teams that take players who have needs, and there we go. Okay, before we move on, we do want to have and give a shout to our sponsor, Jim Hawk, the man. This guy has been taking care of us for a while, and he's got a great book. It talks all about Rams history. It's good stuff. It's all seen great glamour. And the 1950s Los Angeles Rams, the book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elway, Crazy Hirsch, Tom Fierce, Les Richter in this story of the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollowesteam.com and on Twitter at Team. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can find Team through various other booksellers on the internet. Folks, I've read this book cover to cover. Many members of our staff have. It's a great read, and it goes to a great cause. Homeboy Industries out there in the Los Angeles area helping kids get out of the gang life and helping make them into productive members of society. Again, that's Homeboy Industries. That's where all proceeds go for Jim Hawk's book, Hollow's Teen Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It's well worth your time. Okay, so without further ado, we want to jump into our interview with Taylor Colsey, author of the book, Breaking Down the 2018 Los Angeles Rams Offense. Here we go. All right, folks, I am here with Taylor Colsey, the author of the book, Breaking down the 2018 Los Angeles Rams offense. Taylor, how are you today, man? Doing great. How are you? 
Doing good. We're glad to have you on the show. It's been a little bit of a you know a hard time just getting schedules right. I know you're traveling a little bit, which we'll, I'm going to ask you about and all. But overall, tell us about your book because, man, I, I actually I have to be honest. I came across it because I, I generally scour for Rams books periodically on, on Amazon. I'm a nerd, okay? I'm the nerd of our podcast. I'm always looking for a new due date on a book to come out, and I found yours. And I was like, let me go check this guy out. And anytime we get a Rams author, we want to bring him on. We want to talk to you. We want to know what you found out, what you saw. So what motivated you to write this book, and what was the process about for you? Yeah, so I, I kind of have my website that I run with my friend uh, Noah Riley, and we write about different scenes on there. And I kind of decided about last year that I was going to write a book. I talked to uh, Bobby Peters, who actually wrote a book on the Rams the year before, he just came out recently with a book on the Chicago Bears offense. So he kind of walked me through his process and how he got that going. And I decided I was going to do it because it's pretty much the same stuff I do on my website, but instead of going through you know one or two concepts for the offense, it'd be the full offense. So I kind of knew going into the season that I was going to do a book on one NFL team. Didn't know which, and then you know it's a few weeks into the season. Obviously the Rams are putting up some pretty big numbers, and I like a lot of stuff they do offensively, so... That kind of made me decide on, on doing it on them. Now, the process for it, though, just to follow up, how difficult was it to go down there and break all this film down and really kind of sketch everything out for your for your book? That was probably the, – the film breakdown is probably the easy part just because I've done it a lot on other teams. I mean, the process is just going through the film, breaking down stuff by concept, and then probably the difficult part was just trying to – to figure out how I would organize the content in the book. And what probably took me the longest was probably that, that first chapter. And that's one of the reasons I want to do it on the Rams, too, is there's so much information out there about McVay and just the type of person he is and, and how he is as a leader and the culture he creates there. So I really wanted to have that first chapter in there about his character, his leadership, and the, the team culture of the Rams, just so people realize it's, it's not all about scheme. You, know, you can have the best scheme in the world, but you know if the culture isn't right, you're not going to be able to execute it. Now, we're used to bad culture when it comes to Rams. And you recently went out there to visit them. Seeing them firsthand, what can you say about their culture now? Yes, yeah, so I was able to go out there. Their uh, assistant strength conditioning coach, he played at the school that I play at now. So I was able to get in contact with him. And it was kind of a dead period for them where it was just the strength staff around. But he kind of showed me around the facility, answered a lot of questions that I had. And one of the big things I took away from there was just seeing all the signage they had up on the walls. You know, like McVeigh has this pyramid of success, which is an adapted version of Wooden. And it's literally on every wall in the facility. You see that. You see a bunch of different just messages everywhere you go. You go in the locker room. There's signs in everyone's locker that says your success lies in your daily habits. There's just little messages like that that are constantly being reinforced. And then we asked, kind of asked him about, you know, what McVeigh does with that. And he says every team meeting, he's always talking about something they value in their culture. And then he said to go on top of that, the reason that his messages are validated is because he lives that. He said everybody sees the example that McVeigh sets, and that makes everyone else want to raise their standard and be better for him. Going back to the actual book, what are some of the more intricate details that you saw on film that made this offense work? I think the biggest thing is how much serious base they are. You know, they they run a lot of stuff, or it starts out looking the same, and then the play ends up being different. 
the one thing I saw, Sean McVay, when I made that outline, he spoke at the USC coaching clinic, and he talked about their offensive identity being the marriage of the run and pass game and having players, like I said, that start out looking the same and end up being different. You know, they have that outside zone running game, and off that they have their boots. And then they'll boot out and set up and throw it back. Then they'll throw screens off that. You know, everything starts out looking the same. All that in mind, did you find any surprises on film that would interest LA Rams fans? Um, there's nothing, nothing too much. I mean, I think they are a little unique as far as other NFL teams that they don't necessarily carry as much offensively. They have a little bit of smaller package compared to most teams, but you know, I think I think it was summed up best when they played the Seahawks and uh, Tony Romo was broadcasting that game. You know, this is a little bit of exaggeration, but he said. The Rams only run about four or five different plays, but the thing is they all look the same, and you never know which one's coming. So it's hard to stop because you don't know which one there is. And as soon as you think it's the run, well, it's okay, they're going to set up the run, they're going to go to play action. One of the big things we talked about over the course of the last part of the year was the loss of Cooper Cup and how much it meant to us um, as, a, as a fan base and also now just the, those of us who know the game, what it, me- what it meant to lose him. But you broke down this film. What did you discover about how important the slot receiver is in the offense, and where did what what really hurt the Rams about Cup being gone from your film perspective? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things with Cooper Cup was you know his ability to block in the run game, and that allowed them to create pretty much what would be twelve personnel looks, but stay in eleven personnel. If you look at it before Cooper Cup got hurt. The Rams were 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide. It was like 99% of the time off the charts. And then after Cuff got hurt, in order to keep that run game, they had to do some more things. They bring in two tight ends when you see both Higby and, and Everett in the field at the same time. And it just kind of gave me more tendencies that defenses could key on. When they had Cuff, they could stay in the same personnel group, but the defense never know what kind of set they'd come out in because they could put them in the box kind of like tight end or they could split them out wide. So just to back up a little bit, because your the connection went a little fuzzy there. Did you say okay. his block game? Yeah, of- and you know, his, his ability to block in the run game, because that allowed them to stay in the same personnel group where they could put him in the box, but also split him out wide. Because after he got hurt, Josh Reynolds now in that position wasn't as good in the run game. So if they wanted to create some more of those kind of two tight end type looks, they'd actually have to put in two tight ends in the game. Looking forward now to the Super Bowl, and we were used to this team being able to do to do well throughout the year. All of a sudden, come the Philadelphia game, the Bears game, we yep. saw some things in this offense that just shocked all of us. All right, we thought they kind of figured it out with with C.J. Anderson in there, and even though Todd Gurley was out, they get to the Super Bowl and they're held to three points, and the game could have been much, much worse for the Rams' offense, even, that, even the three points. So what yeah. were the Patriots able to do to stop this offense in the Super Bowl, and what could the Rams have done to counter that game plan according to what you saw in Phil? Yeah, so the Patriots, they kind of you know, mimicked the Bears' strategy against them. And both those teams figured out was one way where they could play you know, one defense that took away all the different options in that series. So they played pretty much with a 6-1 front, which is tough against the outside zone running game because an outside zone, you're really trying to stretch the defense laterally and then cut it back behind their flow. You know, if you only got one linebacker there, he doesn't have to move as much. You can pretty much funnel the ball back to him. You can get vertical of your 4D linemen. And, I mean, it's really tough against 
you know, against outside zone. But at the same time, you know, the Rams had their boot game off that. The Patriots, you saw the second play of the Super Bowl when Kyle Van Noy just kills Josh Reynolds coming across the formation. They'd have that guy who could just sit out there and take away their boot game. They played quarters coverage behind it, which was tough against a lot of the Rams play action game. A lot of the Rams play action game was more designed against, against man coverage. A lot of cover three, which you see more in the NFL. I think some of the Rams could have done a better job of was being able to be more diverse with the personnel groups, more diverse with the formations, and maybe show some different looks. You know, that's one thing. If you look at the mic'd up, you know, McVay is talking to Belichick before the game. He talks to him. He's like, man, it's amazing how you got to shift your identity week to week. And you heard him before the game. McVay was like, man, I'm just – I want to see what, what they come out with. He had no idea what the game plan was going to be, which I would see if you don't know what the opponent's going to do, it's tough for you to, to game plan an attack for them. And I think you know, maybe if they could just show some more diverse looks and have more of an ability to adapt week to week based on who they're playing. Because you know, it doesn't matter how good you are at your base stuff. If, if the defense knows what's coming and they can stop it, then you know, it's not going to be as effective. Yeah, that was one thing we saw in the game was they were doing the same stuff over and over and over again. It was like, you know, in the Sandys, the definition we call it is doing the same thing over and over again, hoping yeah. for a different result. And it felt like Sean McVay just, you know, he failed to adjust. And I don't know if the game was too big for him or, you know, it was just youth mistakes. I, I'm going to go that route. The guy's been too good at everything else. I, I got to think he'll fix yeah. that in the future. When you mentioned, I just asked you about um, visiting the Rams. What did they have to say about your book? Yeah, so, I mean, I didn't really hear too much about him just because, you know, I was just there with the assistant strength coach. And, you know, he's not involved with any of the, any of the schematic things. So we didn't really talk about it too much. I was actually able to get it to Sean McVay after he presented at the USC clinic. But, you know, obviously he was getting swarmed by a lot of people, so I didn't really get to talk to him. But did get it in his hands, so we'll see if, you know, maybe he looks through that. <laughs> I bet he'd be curious. <laughs> yeah. But overall, you know, you're a young guy, man. You're still in college, and it, the, the detail you put into this book was was pretty. I gotta be honest, man. It's pretty impressive. Okay, so why write this book, and who in the end are you gearing it towards? It's mostly geared towards uh, towards coaches. You know, there's a lot of coaches who maybe don't have the time in their hands to you know go as deep with their research into an offense like this. And this kind of cuts through a lot of that timing and just pretty much gives them the basis of what the offense is about. And I think, I mean, the goal I talked about in the beginning of the book is for coaches to look at this and, you know, take ideas that they can implement back to their own teams that, you know, give them a better chance of being successful. I got, you know, I just mentioned you're a young guy. Tell people about you. I, I say these questions towards the for the end of the back of the sorry the end of the interview because a lot of times when, when people hear this is a young guy they automatically shut him off i didn't want i want people to hear your knowledge yeah. first okay so <laughs> tell folks tell our listeners what you are doing now with your life you meant you know you're young you this is you mentioned you're going to school go ahead yep. go yeah so i go to Whitworth university up in spokane washington uh we're a small private school up here uh, play football here. I'll be a redshirt senior next year, so I have two years left to play. And then after that, I'll graduate and hopefully try to get get into coaching. I want to try to GA somewhere at the college level and just kind of work my way up from there. You know, the stuff with the book and the website run is just 
pretty much just to kind of get my name out there, make some connections, allow me to meet some new coaches that could potentially open up some doors in the future. Has it worked? Yeah. I mean, I've noticed there's been a lot more coaches I've been able to talk to just because of, you know, that website and, you know, having the book. You know, whenever I go to a coaching clinic, I should just send a tweet out and say, if anyone wants to meet up there, normally there's a few coaches that will get back to me. And, you know, everybody knows someone, and the more connections you build, you know, your, your network just keeps growing wider and wider. i got to be honest, man. You are in college. You wrote a pretty lengthy book here on coaching. <laughs> what have people had to say to you about this? I mean, you're early 20s. Yeah. I mean, I've heard good reviews for it so far. You know, the the biggest thing for me is, you know, I can't let it get to my head, and I want to, you know, I'm having another book that's going to come out in June on the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And, you know, for me, it's just, I just got to keep doing, you know, what I did to be able to kind of get that book out, and there's, a lot of work that went into it, just being able to, you know, the game and knowledge base, and you know, just to be able to do it in the first place. You are you're you're talking about you know entering the coaching field. Where what's your end game long term? You mentioned you want to go into coaching. Are you are you looking at college pro? Are you maybe going to move possibly into being an analyst out there somewhere? What's your long? Uh, I do want to coach at the at the college level. You know, I want to work my way up, uh, eventually be an offensive coordinator. And then, you know, the end goal is to, to be a head coach at the college level. And, you know, I thought about the pro level, but, you know, I just think at the college game, there's kind of a bigger purpose to it. You know, it's, it's not just about winning games. It's about, you know, shaping lives and helping young people be better versions of themselves uh, after they leave the program. And I think that that's where I think a lot of the fulfillment comes with coaching is just, you know, helping those people become better versions of themselves down the line. And, you know, it's not just about, you know, winning games. It's about, you know, like if you hear Nick Saban talk about it, he says the, the vision of the Alabama football program is to create an environment where the players have a better chance of being successful after they leave their program. And that's that's kind of what I think college football is about, and that's why I want to get into it. Okay, so let people know exactly where they can find you, find your book, and so on and so forth. Yeah, so if you go on uh, Twitter, I'm at Taylor Colsey. That's T-A-Y-L-O-R. Colsey's K-O-L-S-T-E. If you go on Amazon, you can either search my name or just search uh, Breaking Down the 2018 LA Rams Offense. The book will come up. Now, my website is RileyColseyFootball.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y-K-O-L-S-T-E Football.com. All right. So, folks, this is Taylor Colsey with the book Breaking Down the 2018 Los Angeles Rams Offense. Thanks so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, good stuff there with Taylor. Good luck on his book. Uh, you should check it out, folks. A lot of X's and O's, a lot of good coaching stuff in there. Seriously, if you want to be a coach and you want to understand offense, check out the book. He breaks it down pretty well. I think he has a future in this game the way he broke it down. So we'll see where Taylor Colsey goes in his life and, Looks like he likes the Rams in terms of covering them a little bit. Mike, you ready to go here? Ready, sir. Ready, ready. Okay, so a couple things we want to get to. 
Before we do, we do want to remind you, if you want to sponsor us, it is getting to be that time of year. We start looking for sponsors for 2019. Reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We'd love to work with you. We would love to partner with you. So there you go. Also, we're getting a Patreon set soon. If you are an individual who wants to help support the show, and we'll have some goodies involved with that as well. I mean, why why put in to help support a show if you can't get some goodies back, right? So we'll have some goodies there for you. All right. So, Mike, earlier this week, just a couple of days ago, actually, you know, reporter caught Sean McVeigh, and with Sean McVeigh, basically he told the reporter, yeah, we still hope to make Todd Gurley the focal point of our offense this season. In the meantime, we're seeing all kinds of footage coming out of Todd just out and about, just doing stuff, whether it's filming a commercial you know, has a Chiefs in the commercial. He's making all kinds of sweet moves. You know, basically the, the stuff that we know and love about Todd Gurley. Does that make you feel any better about next season and, and Todd being healthy heading into the season, or are you still nervous? I'm going to still be a little nervous in the sense of the time in your NFL, no matter how long, is short. You have a short window to be all that you can be on the field. I think now with the younger players, they are realizing that it's a combination. I can be a football player, but I can also have this other life as well. The danger with Los Angeles is there is a lot to do out here, a lot. And so depending on where you are in your life and you know what you want to do and what goals you have, that kind of determines how much you put into whatever you're putting into. And so to see as you're commenting on some of these other things, which means, you know, it's nothing wrong with having outside interests and things like that. But you don't want to end the year like he did, because then speculation, if you're doing all these things and if you don't get off to a bang up start next year, then it, it may be, hey, maybe his head is just not in this game anymore. So I also look at the reality of, you know, he was injured and maybe he looks at you know, a shorter term time in the NFL and moving on more quickly than any of us even know. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay a little, little jittery. And just to be positive though, maybe he just really feels great. Maybe he's, his health has turned for the better and he's good to go and he's feeling great. Maybe all the stuff that's been out there, you know, about arthritis is nothing more than smoke. Isn't that possible? Oh, that's absolutely possible. And and that's a great thing about media, the Twitter, the social media. At the end of the day, it's really all speculation until time proves either way who's ultimately right. But at the end of the day, each individual who walks this earth gets a chance to live their own life how they want to live it. Well, hopefully, what he, the way he's living it shows that he's he's good to go. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for, you know. And he's not out there, you know, partying as much as we as some might think. He's he's in his early twenties. He's going to party, but and he's really out there doing commercials. And so I'm thinking, well, if he's out there running around commercials, the Rams know about that. So it all he obviously has her blessing to do it because in the commercial he's running against the Chiefs. Oh wow, yeah, I haven't seen it. So I mean, I. I I have to think that they're okay with that. I mean, I mean that, that. Well, I mean, when you look at Coach McVay, he seems to be a guy that's not like so. You can't do this. You can't do that. He looks to be a coach who wants you to be able to. He reminds me a little bit of John Robinson in the sense of he expected us to work when we were there, but he also expected us to get away, be with family, do other things, 
and just be focused when you're there in the building and on yeah. Sunday. So that's what uh, Sean McVay. And again, I always think of the 49ers and how they did things. They came in, they took care of their business, and then they went and played on Sunday. And that's a good point. Well, we'll see. And the second thing here is Les Need this week coming out with his comments and talking about how deep the defensive line draft is and making it sound an awful lot like the team was going to be taking defensive line help. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of common sense at this point, looking at how this roster is set up. Where do you think the Rams will take a defensive lineman in this draft? I'm thinking probably earlier than later because they're going to want to make sure that that pass rush stays formidable. So I'm going to say earlier than later. You know, I took a lot into what you had to say. You know, you are a guy who's been there and done that. You've seen teams bill over and over again. And and you mentioned offensive line. And um, that's where you would go first. Well, if you look at our mock draft right now, the offensive linemen are going off the board, right? And yeah. like the guy yeah. I think would be make, makes a ton of sense to the Rams is Dalton Risner. And you just took him at 16. So I have a lot of doubts that, the guy will be there that they want at 31. But this draft is so deep in terms of edge rushers and defensive linemen. A guy like Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence, could possibly make it as far as 31 or even a little bit further. Uh, Jerry Tillery. And so I tend to think that that's they're going to go first round. They need someone who can be an impact guy, especially if that offensive line help isn't there. And we don't know how confident they really are in No Boom and in um, and Brian Allen, but we do know they have holes in the defensive line. So I tend to think it's going to be a first round right now. Yeah, and and that's the the great thing about the draft is depending on how these picks start going off the board, you just never know, especially as you get later in the first round, like what's available. You can get a steal, or maybe you. You know, you have to move on and, and find what may your be your second or third tier player, even though it's still first round and still try to get something. So that's what's always intriguing about this whole idea, you know, and, and it's funny you were saying earlier about, you know, the speculation and the rumor mm-hmm. mill and, you know, you just start hearing all this stuff about different players. Oh, move off him. Well, that one did this and that one. And all this stuff is really just smoke and mirrors because believe me, all these scouting departments and the less needs of GMs of these, they're doing their homework. And matter of fact, they've already done most of their homework by the time they even get to their senior year. Yeah. So unless they do something, you know, crazy, they kind of know about a lot of these guys before the combine and all this other stuff. I think that ends up being fluff for us and interesting for us to get a look see in, but they've already done their homework. All right, folks, that about does it for us. It's time for us to hit the road, but you know what? The schedule is coming out this week, and we are now almost a week away from the draft. So stay tuned. We have a lot more to cover. Any final thoughts tonight, Mike? I'm just looking forward to these next couple days, weeks, leading up to this draft. I uh, can't wait just to see how this thing kind of lines out and see how our mock draft is actually lined up against the big boys. And you know what? It's going to be all over the place. <laughs> Because we, we didn't even talk about trades, you know. We, we, we took trades out of the picture. That's true. You know, so it's right. going to be a little crazy. But also, you know, the schedule is coming out this week. So, I mean, I can't wait to see what the heck the Rams are going to be doing in September. I'm hoping for a September game in Cleveland, by the way. I don't want to go out there in Cleveland in December. I'm sorry. 
or in Pittsburgh in summer. Don't want it. No, no, no. I don't want to freeze. Right. <laughs> I just want just don't want to freeze. All right. Right. It is time for us to go through the false on Twitter at Talk Rams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can also find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Mike at one Duke23. Don't forget us on don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, and Player FM. Also, iebeatradio.com. They play our shows on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern. Sorry, 10 a.m. Pacific. And on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific as well. For Mike, this is Derek C. Paul taking it easy. And hopefully, we'll see you next week. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.